Even in my brief 17 years of existence, I've heard that my skin color means I'm stupid, I'm lazy, that I'm criminal. I know these ideas are wrong. So where did they come from? Some of the racist attitudes we face today seem to have started when slavery was institutionalized to justify the actions of the slave owners. This attitude was absorbed by founding fathers, by scientists, by criminologists. The roots of racism run deep. The world should no longer absorb these false messages. We are light and racism is the dark and I'll keep shining until I have created enough heat to erase it from existence. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Black versus the Board of Education. My name is Miss Laureen and I have the awesome pleasure of sitting here amongst some heavyweights. And, you know, I know they're a little younger than me, but they are heavyweights all the same. So why don't we go through and get some introductions so that we can start the conversation. Uh, ladies, it's on you. Let's go ahead and start with Miss Anaya, our returning guest. Hi, everyone. My name is Anaya. I'm in the 10th grade and I'm 15 years old. Welcome back, welcome back. Miss Lex, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi everyone, my name is Lex. I'm almost out. I'm a senior in high school, 17 in the Sacramento area. That's right, and we're going to stay on Lex's head until she gets on out with that good diploma. <laughs> Let's go ahead and throw it to Miss Janice. Hey everybody, my name is Janice. I'm a 14-year-old freshman in high school in the Sacramento region. Fantastic. And Miss Mariah, I'm going to throw it to you. Hi, guys. My name is Mariah, and I'm a 16-year-old junior in California. Fantastic. And listen, I saved you for last, Melissa, because for some reason, we done showed up wearing the same exact shirt. So snaps up for that, because that means we was thinking alike. Or maybe you saw me and was like, I want to be like her today. But anyway, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, guys. My name is Melissa, and I'm a 14-year-old freshman in Southern California. So I got, I got my, my ladies here and we're going to be talking about endless expectations. But before we get to that, we have a couple of stories we want to cover. So why don't we go ahead and start with the first story? Miss um, Jada, if you can go ahead and share your screen. Morning exclusive, a high school softball player says she felt humiliated when she was forced to cut her braids in the middle of a game because her hair supposedly obscured the number on her jersey. The story is now getting national attention with calls for a change in policy. And ABC's Zachary Keish spoke with the teenager and has much more. Zachary, good morning to you. Dan, good morning to you as well. You know, it was a call that went beyond the rules of the game, all right? The leadoff batter had already hit a double. She'd already played on defense. Her team was winning. But what happened next is calling into question longstanding policies against hair and their detrimental impact on black. Okay. So, <laughs> they're in the game, her team is winning, and they stopped the game to make her cut her braids. What say you? Somebody say something. so mad. Because no. they really, who cut the braids? Who said? Was the other coach threatened and was like, let me just point out an old rule in the book that just, you know, is going to prevent me from trying to score. Like, What? That is so ridiculous. Like, y'all people get crazier and crazier by the week. Like, I'm trying to figure out what dietary changes that have been that your doctors have been giving y'all, which y'all been feeding yourselves because y'all just seem to get crazier and crazier. <laughs> 
I'm I'm at a loss because it's just he said that the the braids obscured the the number on a jersey and I clearly see a number six. So was it an excuse or did you think that it was somehow because they also labeled those beads uh, extra equipment? So was it about the equipment? Was it about the score? Was it about trying to teach this young girl a lesson? What do you think, Melissa? How is it extra equipment? How is it? Is it giving her an advantage to play the game? I don't know. some beads. <laughs> how are beads in your hair helping you? Your team is winning. You know, I think the coach was mad that the other team was winning or, you know, they just want to, they never want us to be great. They never want us to succeed. So they were coming for her in the only way that they could think of. Mm. Anaya, what do you think? It's just confusing. Like, you know, it's about the beads, but it's about her hairstyle. At the end of the day, it's because she's black. About her hairstyle. Like how, like Melissa said, that's not extra equipment. The school didn't provide that for her. She bought it herself. So, and then they waited until the middle of the game. When the game already started, mm-hmm. everybody was ready. And they were, and her team was winning. Why did you just now suddenly remember that in the middle of the game? Now, let me ask you guys, has anybody ever had beads in their hair? Has anybody ever had braids with beads in their hair? Yep. Yes? Yep. Okay, so for for those who have never had beads in their hair, what is the significance of the beads or why do people get the beads in the first place? Can somebody explain that? Because I, 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 too, when I was growing up, um, I had beads in my hair. I don't remember them being very heavy. I know that they were, you know, to enhance the look or like a decoration of sorts. Um, So why do, like, do you think beads give anybody an extra advantage? It's so preposterous. Um, But the question is, do beads give you an extra advantage in some way, shape or form? Do they make you hit better or run faster? No. In my opinion, I would always ask my mom for bees because my favorite color was pink. And I used to always be like, okay, now I'm cute. Like when they was just playing by themselves, like you need a little razzle dazz. That's like asking people why they wear shoes. Like, duh, you need them to go with your outfit. Now should we have every player on the team take their shoes off and wear the same pair of shoes because the shoes is giving y'all an advantage? Y'all ridiculous. It's crazy. Like my bees give me a little razzle dazzle. Like why can't I have a little razzle dazzle? They don't make me hit no better. They make me look cuter like I'm not gonna play with y'all <laughs> I feel like I feel like I could understand the bees if it was a physical contact sport like soccer or football or something you know you get whipped in the eye with a bead and you know you probably out for the rest of the game but this is softball and you're standing at bases you're not going anywhere you're not doing anything so you know what happened she was probably tearing it up she was probably getting the game for them. And this guy's like, okay, I need to get this girl off the field. I'm going to do something. Oh, black, black woman, black girls in their hair. Let me just say something about her hair. And then that's just what happened. Cause she was probably doing her mm. thing. Cause you know, softball, we'd be killing it. So I don't know. People just crazy. Mariah as a softball yeah, player. It's also <laughs> ridiculous, you know, cause I play softball. So, and before every game, the ump, like who like, you know, runs the game. He, they come in and check on every player to see, like, oh, you got the right cleats on, got the right pants on, can I see your jersey number, got the right bat. Like, so it's interesting that the, they chose to wait till the middle of the game when this specific team was at an advantage because they were winning to point out something ridiculous. It's, mm. Mm, it's questionable. All right. Well, let's go to uh, the next story because um, – I think, Melissa, you sent this one. Mother finds a racist drawing in her son's backpack. School takes action to address it. First of all, I want to say kudos to that school who addressed it immediately. But, Melissa, you read this article. Can you kind of tell us a synopsis of what it's about? Yeah, so um, uh, there is a kid. They were in class. It was a black kid. and Pull your microphone closer, love. Okay, it was a white kid and a white um, little boy, and he was white, and he drew this picture and gave it to the black kid, and he was disturbed by it, so took it home and showed it to his mom, and the mom brought it back to the principal, and I'm glad that the school addressed it, and yeah, so that's what happened. Okay. So, 
racist drawing in the backpack. I believe, I don't I think that um Jada showed the picture. It was of um someone hanging and it looked like some little people in some hoods uh standing around. And we all know what that signifies, but for the people in the back who seem to uh, who may seem to not see the problem with it, can you all explain to them why it's a problem for an elementary school student to come home with a drawing like that? um and show his parent it's a problem because that goes back generations of killing people especially murdering specifically black people us being murdered our bodies being hung and people standing around and that goes back to down south when it goes to the kkk the ku klux klan of groups of people murdering black people hanging us, killing us, beating us. So it's important because why is this elementary student drawing images like that, especially in elementary schools when kids develop who they are, they absorb what they are going to become. So the fact that your son is in the becoming of a racist person or of racist beliefs, that's not okay. That's not okay at all. And it's like, and it's not even him because kids don't just get stuff from nowhere. It's who your child is around. So the fact that your child has obviously been around people who hate black people, people who watch things like that, people who could possibly, he may have seen something like that. We don't know what this child has gone through or what goes on behind closed doors. So it's not okay. Yeah, Mariah, you were going to unmute. What what do you what say you? It's extremely disheartening that this young elementary school boy was able to pinpoint what that picture was and what it signified. Because at the end of the day, it's traumatizing for our young boys and our young girls who are black. And it's extremely sad like that he noticed that and he was like, Oh, I can't even trust a teacher to show it to her, like, hey, like so this other student could get reprimanded or like, you know, get sent out, parent called if that would have done anything. But like, it was like, oh, maybe I have to take this back to the safety and the security of my home to show my parent so I can come back and have some support when I, when the, if the parent does choose to take this to the school. Mm-hmm. It's just an extremely disheartening event that like, I'm sad it hasn't gotten any more exposure. What was the message that you think this kid, was it an innocent drawing or do you think this kid was sending a message? Anaya, you're shaking your head. It was obviously a message, like what the kid is drawing and then who he gave it to, he decided to give it to a black student. And my other question is, if this was drawn in school, where was the teacher at? How did the teacher, why wasn't the teacher monitoring monitoring the students and what they were doing? And yes, it, it, was, it was intentional. Do you think that that child, and I don't, I, I know that the school reacted swiftly um, and I don't know, do you, what was the particular um, punishment or how did they address it? I don't remember reading um, that they addressed it in a particular way. And I know sometimes schools say, well, we can't tell you, you know, what's going on with students, but what do you think um, the administration or that school should have done um, in a situation like this? I Let, feel like, or Janine, go ahead, Janice, go ahead. Because I feel like anytime they see anything on a black child, any type of bruise or anything else, they call them the cops, they call them CPS. So y'all need to send people to the household. Y'all need to see what is going on because you don't know if that child could be in danger. Simple as that. It doesn't matter of who the child is, what color the child is. Any kid could be in a poor situation. So I feel like they should have sent the cops to that house because if your child, that is a threat. Like that is drawings, that's people being murdered, people being killed. Like that is a threat to the school campus because what if he bring a knife to school, talk about something, I'm trying to do what I seen on the drawing. Like you never know. And you never know what kids, mm-hmm. you never know what children. So I feel like they should have sent the cops to the house. Like, is everything okay? Check up on them, have um, filed a report because that's not okay. And then watch that kid because people like that and children like that, they need to be bear watched. They need extra support. They need extra people to lean on because it takes a village to raise a child and it takes a whole community to keep them going. Lex, what do you think of an, uh, uh, an appropriate response would be to something like that? I agree with Janice. You know, obviously, this is something that started at home. So they need to go to the house. They need to be like, what's going on? What's this? Why did your son do this? Do you even know what this means? I think they need to talk. Like, I think 
maybe not to quote unquote scare them away. They need to have like a parent conference with the student or even without the student. Then from there, if they don't feel comfortable, probably like call the cop and say, yeah, you need to check this kid out. You need to check this family out because something isn't right. In terms of addressing the school, I know when things like this happens, they always call assemblies or something like that saying, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. But I feel like they also need to do something for the kid who got the actual drawing because that's traumatizing. The parents are obviously going to need some type of reassurance. So I think that something needs to happen on both sides. Because, yeah, kids aren't born racist, so we need to see, hello, what happens? Like, this kid didn't just wake up one day and decide to draw this. Like, something's obviously going on in their life. Well, I think, well, there's two things. First, I think it's very interesting that I would hear a group of Black girls talk about call the police and send the police to the house. (laughs) Number two, what I also find interesting is that, you know, there's this whole push to do restorative practices. So my thing is that was a teaching moment. That was an opportunity to educate in that instance. But with a bunch of these jokers running around talking about they don't want critical race theory, I mean, I'm not sure how you educate in that situation um, without it being attached to some type of funding that the school is gonna miss out on. So I just think that um, there needs to be an educational component to that. You know, you need to talk to that student and, and ask him, do you understand what this means? Who are these people in this? You know, what were you trying to say when you handed this to this person? You know what I mean? I think that there that was an opportunity for, um, you know, the community to have a conversation because it's obviously obvious something is going on. Um, something needs to be addressed. And by sweeping it under the rug, I believe you're placing that young man who received the drawing in danger. And that's something that needs to be talked about. Um, so, you know, before we transition into our topic for this uh, this week, Um, I wanted to just acknowledge the conflict that's going on overseas with the Palestinian people and the Israelis. Um, We don't all the time talk about what's going on outside of this country because we're, in a sense, under attack in this country. Um, But when we see things that are, are unjust and not right, we have an obligation to speak on it. My heart is breaking for the Palestinian people and what I'm seeing their children and their babies being just annihilated And so I just wanted to uh, just lift that up in this space um, because uh, we don't, obviously we don't live in a vacuum. There are things that you all are seeing. There are pictures of of dead babies and and people that you are seeing that is available on social media. So I just wanted to check in with you guys and see, um, you know, have you seen it? Are you seeing it? Um, not, Not so much to attack one side or the other, but you know, and injustice to any, anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So um, I just wanted to lift that up in this space. Did you guys see anything? Are you, How are you processing what you're seeing? And do you need any support? I have been, as, oh, as president of my school, I have been teaming up with my uh, our school's ASA, our Afghan Student Association, to help their club know how to utilize and deliver messages to the student body, students who are in need of comfort and in need of support throughout these times and knowing where are the right places to utilize the resources that are given and just creating spaces for these conversations to be had to help with comfortability on student campus to ease the tensions that are clearly facing us every day. Mm-hmm. Janice? Personally, <clears throat> it's enough trying to stay sane within the country I live in. So I try my best to keep peace and make peace of staying out of what goes on in this country. And I hear about it because I'm in connection with all of you. So I know and we talk. But outside of that, I try my best not to keep up with it because it's very disheartening. It's very sickening. It's very sad. And I already lose sleep at night because I have very bad insomnia. So I try my best to stay out of it. Gotcha. Melissa? Yeah, I've been seeing it a lot on social media, um, as you know, um, and it's it's really sad because, you know, we know how that feels to to have an injustice and, you know, it's not lots of things aren't being done about it. So I definitely my heart goes out to everyone over there and it's just hard. You know, we deal with this here, everything that goes on in this country and then you see another country that's also hurting. So it's a little hard to have to focus on all of the 
injustices that are going on in the entire world and then you know have to go to school and be try and still stay a sane teenager yeah yeah i get it anaya i don't think it affected me personally but it's just it is really sad and really really upsetting to me especially since i can't do anything about it you just kind of have to sit there and watch things happen Mm-hmm. And you, you like they, they're helpless, but you also feel helpless because you know you can't help them. Like you want to and you want to do something about it, but you can't. Yeah, and I just remember yesterday I saw a video um, that was posted um, by uh, um, by it, it was somebody taping this ten year old, and she's like, "What am I supposed to do? I'm ten. Do you see all this devastation? I just come outside and I cry. What am I? What can I do?" I'm 10. And and it just reminds me kind of of the things that we're seeing here, you know, that that feeling of helplessness and that feeling of not not people not having your best interest at heart and and making sure that you're okay. So I wanted to check in with y'all um and uh wanted to make sure that we kind of lifted that up because you know, a lot of times, you know, I I get these comments that I'm only concerned about what happens to black people. Um, I'm concerned what happens to all people, but I'm specific about Black people. We have to be clear about that. And so, you know, when when we see things like this that just aren't um, right and, and, you know, those kids didn't do anything to anybody, um, I just, I, my heart breaks um, at the lives lost. So I'll, I'll go ahead and end that there. But I just wanted to, unless Lex, do you have something you want to contribute to that that portion? Um, not really. I do have a few friends that are- um, are directly impacted by this um, mm-hmm. and so I just make sure that I'm there for them because I expect the same um, you know even if it's just like you putting in a word I still expect you to be worried and understand not understand my issues but know my issues so I'm just um, giving them the same energy and the same everything that I would expect in return so I'm kind of just there like saying hey I, I kind of understand what you're going through I'm here if you ever need to talk to me well, thank you for that. And, and that's what we can do, right? That's what we can, we can be present. Um, we can, you know, be empathetic. That does not mean that we understand everything like I'm educating myself too. Um, but we can certainly be empathetic to the plight of other folks. So with that, we're going to go ahead and transition into our topic, endless expectations. Now, Lex, <laughs> I'm going to throw it to you first because this is something you wanted to talk about. Uh, you were talking about the expectations. And so I want to give the floor to you and you can kind of kick us off. Why did, why are we talking about this today? So I got this topic after listening to many of Miss Laureen's talks on Zooms and um, other platforms. And a lot of the, th- uh, some of the things that you say, Miss Laureen, a lot is we need to watch our expectations for our Black children. Because I feel like at the end of the day, they're holding us to these expectations, but then they don't give us the ex- the um, resources to excel those expectations. So they mm. expect us to get somewhere, but they won't let us essentially get to those places. So I kind of wanted to talk about how frustrating it is that they're holding us up to one thing, but they won't let us get there or they're stopping us from getting there. And I kind of want to talk um, with that about all of you guys today. So you're frustrated uh, because if if I understood what you said, you think that you're being held to certain standards and people are expecting things of you, but you don't have the tools or the resources to get to where they're expecting you to be. Is that what you said? (laughs) Yes, that is correct. And then also you can look at it on the flip side, given the stereotypes that have been placed on us, they expect us to not exceed and then when we start exceeding they still look down on us so at the end of the day it's like where are we going where do you want us to be because you're holding us to standards and then you're not holding us to standards and when we do what you want us to do you guys are still upset and then when we don't do what you want us to do we just fall into stereotypes so i'm like hello where am i going here and i think it's something we should all be talking about Okay. So as you were explaining, I've seen a lot of people nodding their heads and I saw Janice just unmute. So we'll go to her first. (laughs) Do you agree with what Lex is saying? Uh, How I think of it is I'm one of them people. I don't care. 
I don't care what nobody think of me, but God and my mama. I don't got nobody else to please, but the Lord and my mother. So it don't matter what nobody else think, but because ain't nobody else putting food on my table, but my mother and the Lord. So I don't care. Um, when it comes to expectations, I feel like I've come to a point in my life where it's just like, I used to always want to be a people pleaser. I used to always want to fit in, especially going through elementary school, the change, the the phase I went through, flat iron my hair every two weeks so I could look like my counterparts, all of those things. Now, the natural hair, the curly phase, you know, the buns, the hoodies, all of that. I'm embracing me and I'm pleasing myself. So where it's just like, because if you can't find the source of all that you need in yourself, you can never get it from anybody else. So with the expectations for myself, I just try and be better than the person I was yesterday. Simple as that. I grow and I learn. And sometimes I have bad days. Sometimes I have good days. And it's sometimes hard navigating this world because it's just like, okay, there aren't really a lot of places for me to fit in. But the mindset I've grown is to where I'm going to make room for myself. I don't care if there ain't no room for me here. There may not be no room on the bench, but I'll stand or I'll sit my butt down. So it don't matter if there's no room for me because I'm going to make room and I'm going to make a way and God's going to make a way. So I'll be okay no matter what. So when we're talking about expectations, though, I think what Lex is saying, was that in relation to uh, the school or is that overall, Lex? Um, School, but you can directly relate it to everything. Okay. So Mariah, your head is nodding. Yeah. I'm going to come to Mariah and then I'm going to come to Melissa. I would say it definitely leaves you like in a, sorry, it definitely leaves you in a weird place because, you know, everyone expects you to like act subpar to not want to participate in higher learning, like honors classes or IB, to not want to join clubs, to just be a sports and sports and home person. So mm. when you want to excel and you want to be something more, you definitely feel like ostracized when you're like trying to make space for you in honors classes, trying to feel comfortable and welcomed in IB, trying to participate in the AP class. When you're clearly being discouraged from those classes, it's like, there's this thing where you're like, okay, no one can pass an IB or honors class if you don't have a tutor. Well, then where are the tutors? Why are, why are there not being this resource applied to me or a pit out for me to utilize? So I'm in a position where, you know, I want to succeed. I want to be more an honor student. I want to get further in life than, you know, these expectations that are put on me than to just fail, to drop out of school, to just go straight into the workforce. But then you're not applying me any resources, no aid, no help, no room for me to ask questions, to feel vulnerable enough to want to ask questions. Mm. So it definitely leaves students in a weird place. Gotcha. Gotcha. Melissa? I agree with Mariah. It leaves you feeling in a very weird place. You know, you try to succeed and to go above and people are looking at you like, why are you doing that? You know, and you already know society because of the color of your skin, society is going to look at you like you shouldn't be doing more. So when you do more, everyone's looking at you like you're crazy. But then if you, like Lex said, fall into those stereotypes of us being less than our white counterparts, then everyone's like, oh, well, you know, you can do more. So when we do more, we're looked at like we're crazy and we do less, we're looked at like, oh, you can do more. So it leaves us feeling weird. We're stuck in the middle and we don't want to be in the middle. We want to succeed, but society's going to look at us weird when we do. Hmm. Naya. I 100% agree. Like I was saying, AP and honors classes, like I don't see people who look like me in them. So it is discouraging because I do want to get a good grade. I do want to pass with an A or better. But then I'm also discouraged because nobody looks like me. So I feel like I can't reach out to anybody because, you know, everybody has their own little friend groups and none of my friends are in the same classes with me. So it's just like, I'm alone. Like, can I study with you guys? They don't want me to study with them because they don't know me. So it's like, who am I going to reach out to? I try to reach out to the teacher, but I don't have the relationship with the teacher that I need. And why don't you have the relationship with the teacher? I think, in my opinion, it's the teacher's job to build a relationship with the students. So it's the teacher's lack of relationship building with the students, especially with the Black students, when they know there's not a lot of them in the class. So it's like you really need to focus your attention on the people who need it most. Hmm. For me, I feel like a lot of teachers are ignorant. Like what Anaya was saying, like they don't care about us. Like we go in their class and we learn like every other student, but they don't care to give us that 
attention that we need or the help that we need. So I take it upon myself to build my own relationship with the teacher. In every class, there's only one class that I do not communicate and I am not my authentic self because of the poor relationship that I have with that teacher. But all my other teachers, hello, how are you doing today? Do you after after school tutoring? I need help. I'm staying after class. They All the other kids is logging out of Zoom and I'm staying online because I need help. And you're not going to sit here and leave because then I'm going to record it and I'm going to show administration that you left when I'm sitting here trying to get help from you. So mm. I've used, I've become very comfortable with using the resources I have. The emails for admin, I am there. Y'all not doing what y'all supposed to be doing? Okay, Mr. Um, teacher, uh, Mr. Orozco, the principal, um, I need help. Um, the teachers right now, I'm trying to get resources. I have asked for help. Nobody's helping me. What can I do? And then if they don't help, and then I call my mom, and they're not trying to get my mom help, then I call up Miss Laureen from BYLP, and, you know, we make some shake, and I'm always taken care of. So I feel like when it comes to the expectation, it's just like y'all expect me to succeed and do all this. Okay, I'm gonna do what y'all want, but y'all need to give me what I need for me to do it. And I make that clear to all my teachers. Like, I'm not a problem student. I will go above and beyond for you, do whatever you need to do. I will even try and help my classmates participate as long as you are giving me the environment where I feel like I can do all those things. And if not, I'll make the environment for myself because I sure will speak up on Zoom. I don't care how quiet the class is. I don't care what we're in the middle of. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, ma'am. I'm lost. <laughs> and I am very honest. I am lost in the sauce. I don't know where y'all at. I'm on the side. And I need somebody to pick me out the sauce because, you know, you know that little piece of sauce that always on the side? I just be there. So I'll be having to need them to scoop me up and, like, put me in the sauce, too. <laughs> Janice always talking about some food, guys. She is always Janice. Janice is always I understand. <laughs> I mean, I just think that it's it's important because you know, and I know that we're laughing right now, but it's important that you are you are a self advocator, right? Because there's a lot of times when you don't have anybody in there that's going to fight for you, so you got to fight for yourself. So those skills are important. But I want to know, in terms of the help that you all are requesting, do you think that your teachers respond positive to you, positively to you when you ask for help? Mariah, you shook your head no, absolutely right not. off the... Absolutely not. Okay. It's, it's absolutely no secret that there is teacher hostility in the classroom towards Black students. And I have been trying to address it, and it's ridiculous because teachers, you know, have a mom email teacher teacher's like okay answer a couple questions and then right back falls into the pattern of hostility oh i can't fit your question in right now because i have to finish this lesson i have to complete this module oh write your question down you can ask at a later date stay after class Oop. meeting ended by host so where's where's time for my question when can i be able to utilize this resource that you're supposedly supposed to give me so i can learn because i don't feel like i'm learning right now i feel like i'm just getting the work done just to move on to the next module. And it's, it's redundant for me to sit here and have to, ooh, okay, write down my little comment, private chat to the teacher, teacher never reads my comment, never looks at the chat. Oh, cause you can't see the chat when you're screen sharing. Okay, so when are you gonna stop the screen share so you can look at all the other chats that people are putting in, not just mine. Mm. It's, it's a pattern and it's a sequence that keeps on repeating itself until it's being disrupted. And when it's being disrupted, it's all a pause until it happens again. When I tell y'all teachers be mad, like I, I I can see the irritation on my teacher's face when I stay because they be ready to end the meeting and they be ready to go on with their day. But I feel like y'all can't go on with y'all day because y'all haven't done your job. If I'm still confused and you're not doing your job right, sis, I'm sorry. Like, I know I can be like hard to help understand, but it's your job. You get paid. You get paid a salary or you get paid monthly. Poo poo, do your job. Let me get some help. I'm trying and I do try. And that's the thing. I can't speak for the kid who won't go above and beyond to get their work done. But for me and my house, in this house, because we all, we all some heavy hitters. We all do our work because we all got A's on them report cards. It's rare for us to do below that because we try to exceed. We want to be in places. We want to be in different places. So I feel like the teachers, ooh, they be butthurt. Like, it is so funny. It makes me chuckle. Like, I be cackling when I see that face because, yes, we're staying after class. I need help. I sure do. It's so funny. Like, it humors me. Like, oh, did I piss you off? Oh, you're so cute. 
<laughs> I personally just don't care. Like, it's funny. Like, you know what? Since y'all don't want to do y'all job, I'm going to help you. I'm staying after class. Let's get this done. Yeah, you see, that's funny because I personally have not had that experience. A lot of my teachers have been there for me. They'd be happy when I stay after class. They're like, oh, you're here. I'm so glad because half my students be failing class and they don't even do anything about it. So be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so happy you stayed after class. And, you know, that could also relate to me being a senior, me being old and me being almost out of their hands. So they'd be like, we're glad we want you to graduate. Otherwise, we're going to have you again or who knows, something like that. So personally, I, when I go out to my teachers, I'm like, hey, I need help. Can you do this for me? They'll be like, yeah, sure. And, you know, that also could relate to the fact that my parents be on campus all the time and they always be talking about me and go to my teacher's classroom and be like, has my daughter turned this in? Has my daughter done this? And, you know, I know a lot of people don't have that. So, you know, my teachers might just be giving me extra, like some different energy that y'all teachers might not be giving you because of the foundations I already have set, not even by me at this point, by my parents. Um, but I know for me, my teachers and I do have good relationships. Um, I know there are some some teachers, you know, that I just don't even put energy into because I'm like, I can just go to this teacher. You know, my one of my teachers gave me like a list of all the good teachers you need, all the bad teachers you don't need. So, you know, I'm at the end of the day, and excuse me for the people that don't know this on the podcast, my parents are white. Um, so, you know, it's a different, different face, different race, excuse me. So, you know, they can come and look at me differently. So at the end of the day, I could have a different experience with my teachers, given who my parents are and given the foundation that they've been on this campus, they've been rooting for me and not just me rooting for myself, which I know lots of people have to go do. So that could be it. But I know I've had a pretty good experience with my teachers. Well, I'm glad to hear that because that's not everybody's experience. Uh, Anaya, I think you were about to say something. Yes, I could also relate to that. And it is because my mom was old on campus all the time, meeting my teachers, introducing herself. And then um, also she is a district employee. So when my teachers hear that, they're like, oh, she works in the same district as me. Let me treat her daughter right. That's how I feel. Sometimes mm. I hope I hope it's not that way. I hope I'm wrong about that, but I feel like sometimes it's like, it depends on who your parent is and how involved they are. But nobody should think, oh, this parent is involved more, so they obviously care more about their student. Well, a parent could be working all day trying to get food on the table for the student. They care about their student as well. Go help their student. Don't just be all happy to see the students that are always trying in your office hours. Mm. I feel like in my personal opinion, when it comes to that, um. Oh my gosh, I just lost complete train of thought. Y'all gotta come back. Okay, we'll come back to her. So yeah. I, I, you know, and I know my daughter is in the background, but I don't think that she's really had too many problems with her teachers either. Um, it only took, I only had to go to her campus once or twice, uh, each one. So the junior high and the high school, or maybe that was twice at the junior high. And by the time she got to high school, they kind of understood um, who they would, that I was a formidable opponent. Right. Um, and so I don't think that she's had the same type of issues that I'm, that I'm hearing about. Um, but I would welcome the opportunity to, uh, connect with your teachers that are having a hard time, um, connecting with you, because I think that there's some sort of disconnect somewhere. There's a disconnect and there's not really, um, a desire to change the way in which they relate. And maybe they just don't know how. Um, because one thing I will tell y'all, sometimes when y'all get upset, y'all get real sassy. And that might be, you know, that that might be uh, a, a turnoff for some of your teachers. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I don't take it offensively. But someone who is not the same background as you, that doesn't understand the way in which we relate to one another, the sassiness, the sarcasticness, the jokey jokey, like sometimes those things just don't translate well. So maybe, you know, we need to do a, a class and maybe y'all should start uh, getting your curriculum together to start trying to teach people how to relate to you and how you tick and what makes um, your, what would make your experience better. Because what we want you to do is we want you to have access to those classes. We want you to have the the best ability to succeed where you are. But if there's adults standing in their way, we got a problem. So Melissa, I keep seeing you keep you keep unmuting and muting and muting and unmuting. Did you have something you wanted to add in there? 
Yeah, I was just going to agree with um, Lex. Like, my teachers love, like, I love talking to my teachers. I always stay after class if I don't understand something because, like, I'm a visual learner. And so when they're going, because you only have a certain amount of time to where you can teach a lesson so you can actually be on schedule. So I always stay after class. So it's really sad that, um, no, like, not a lot of people have that, you know, and it part. I think part of the reason is because I was homeschooled and still partially am. So I feel like I have an advantage and it makes me kind of sad because I know some people don't and some people are genuinely going through hard experiences with teachers who don't care. So I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, we need teachers that are actually going to care, not care for you, not just as a student, but as a person. Yeah. For me, because COVID hit my COVID hit at the end of my eighth grade year. So my mom didn't have the advantage to, because usually my mom's there. The staff knows her. The principal knows her. I'm sure at my school by now they know her because of the issues I had, I've had. But in the beginning of school, there was no on-campus, you know, open houses and stuff like that because everything was online. Everything was distant learning. So when they saw me, they just see me logging into school every day on class. They knew my face, but they didn't know me. They don't know who stands behind me. And then at first, I wasn't no encounters for them to get to know my mom because, you know, everything starts off smooth. But then after a while, teachers and teachers and, you know, staff, they start showing their true colors after a while because you can only put on a face mask for so long. And the true colors start to come and they come through and they is not pretty. And once the true colors started to show and I started to have issues with teachers, two teachers in particular, then my mother started to call. And then after that, now I'm sure my um, principal, he knows my mother very well and my vice principals because then they try and hand the hand the parents down to the vice principals because there are so many of them. So the, like the principal ain't got to deal with them. But now my mom, they all know my mom because they had to know her. So I feel like it's kind of, it was a disadvantage with Corona because you don't get the same experience like when you're in person to school, then you're out of person. But you know, my mom's not letting me go back to school because she said she's not gonna let me be a guinea pig. And yeah. Oh, okay. And so again, kind of going back to this whole title of endless expectations, what do you think is an appropriate expectation for someone to have for you at your age? What is an appropriate expectation? Mariah? Teachers should want to realize that we do want to succeed. We don't want to wake up and just like, we don't wake up and just like, hmm, I'm not going to try today. I'm just going to sit behind the black screen of Zoom and just be disconnect. Like we want to do more. So give us the opportunity to do more. Give us the resources that we can utilize to be more, to want to succeed, to go out and be productive members of society, to be young, influential people who want to contribute. Yeah. Yeah. Anaya, what is an, a, a realistic expectation? What should, what should teachers expect from you? I think that teachers should expect from me is for me to try my best in class. And it looks different for everybody. Like for example, Melissa said that she's a visual learner. That's different from somebody else who just learns and gets one set of directions and they can go without mm -hmm. any extra help. Like I'm also a visual learner. Like I have to see you do it before I can do it myself. I need extra help. I, I can't just like go watch a video for math, one three minute video and try to learn a whole lesson. I can't do that. And that's what one of my teachers makes me do. And I have another example from when I was in an accelerated math class in seventh grade, and Janice was saying teachers showing their true colors later in the year, my teacher showed his true colors on the first day of school when he said, and I come over here. I don't think, he didn't say this directly, but he basically said, you're not good enough for this class because of your fifth grade math score on the SVAC learning test. So I didn't take it like that. He, he, was, he was like, I'm giving you this a suggestion. I don't want you to fail this class. So maybe you should go down to regular math because your fifth grade test scores. And I told my mom, she's like, what is fifth grade? Two years ago, have to do with this now? Nothing. Nothing to do with it. And how do you expect me to do 100%, get 100 on the test when you're making me sit there for three hours, giving me a little snack in between? I'm obviously not going to do my best. Mm -hmm. So I got out of his class. And then when my mom talked about him, he was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like that. I just want her to do her best. No. If you wanted me to do my best, you would have given me the extra support that I asked for. You don't have to say, oh, no, I already showed you an example. This is accelerated math. I teach you like college students. I'm 12 years old. I didn't sign up for a college class. 
my teacher recommended me for accelerated math. So I said, oh, I can do this. I like math. He made me not like math anymore. Mm. Okay. What's what's an appropriate expectation, Lex? Um, to be honest, mine's pretty much the same as Anaya's. Just expect that we're going to go into this class and put our all into it. And and it's a simple fact that if we don't, it's obviously because there's something else. Because like Mariah said, we're going into these classes because we want to excel. We're going into these classes because we want to do something. We're going into these classes because we want to pass them because we know we can't pass them. And so with that, with that thought, knowing that we're going to do that, at least try and be there so we can do our best. Because at the end of the day, we are doing our best to our best ability. You know, it is the teacher's job to help you and, and conform to your needs. They, they're supposed to be there to help us pass the class. So if we're doing the best that we can do, given other things happening in classroom and just in the real world, I feel like they need to understand and adapt to that and try and help us so we can be doing our best overall, not just our best in the class. Because that I think that's two different things, and I don't think that they understand that. Because us maybe doing our best that we can, they're not doing the best that they can to make sure we're doing the same best that everyone else in that class is doing, if that gotcha. makes sense. I mean, if it makes sense to you, this is your, your words. <laughs> You know, the, the thing is, I think that a lot of times without even kind of knowing it, there are some expectations that funnel in based on stereotypes that teachers have. They, they like to call it um, implicit bias, but really it's explicit because they're doing it outwards and it's having a negative impact on you. Right. And so when we're talking about expectations, let's flip that. What do you expect from your teachers? Janice, I expect my teachers to hold me and push me to being the highest version of myself. For example, <clears throat> getting into an accelerated class. I don't want my teacher to even try to tell me that I shouldn't be in this classroom because I wouldn't if I shouldn't. I would want them to be like, okay, now let's see the highest grade that you can get in this class. Now, do you need any extra work to take just in case you're not understanding? Like I expect teachers to take and expect the best of me first chance meeting me, not even knowing me, not even knowing my history, but knowing, okay, this kid is going to go places, not looking at me or looking at another one of my peers that may be a darker shader than me and say, um, yeah, I don't know where this kid's going. Because if you were to look at my white counterparts, you're sure going to tell them that they're going somewhere. So I think teachers should have the expectation that all kids are going somewhere, all different complexions, all different skin colors, tones, shades, textures, we're all going to go places. And I feel like they need to enlist that into us and say that to us like you're going to be something you're going to go somewhere I feel like that is what I expect of teachers to have like on me like thinking that no matter what you know about me just knowing yeah, I'm a new slate I'm a fresh student it doesn't matter what any teacher has said about me what you have heard about me a teacher okay. is the best of me Melissa what do you expect from your teachers I expect my teachers to to like Janice said push me to be my best and also know that my best is going to be different from someone else's like you know everyone is at a different point in how they learn and how they're going to obtain the information that you're giving them so not looking at me differently just because I'm black not thinking that you know this white person this white student is going to do more because they're white and I'm going to failed this class. You know, I want to be looked at like I'm a person who was in here trying my best and I want resources to be given, you know, office hours, um, tutoring. I want resources so I can try and succeed just like all of these other white kids that are in my class. We're all taking the same classes. Why can't we all be looked at the same, not segregated? Because that's what's happening. We're being segregated and looked at differently. So I want, we should all be looked at the same and each person individually can get the resources that they need. Mariah, what do you expect? I like teachers to want to be supportive and to follow through on being supportive. I would, but like Melissa said, you know, resources to be given. I want them to follow through on their resources. So how is it showing on reflecting in my grade that I'm doing this work and that your tutoring or your office hours is paying off for me? Because like everyone, like everyone's best is different. So if you know that 
I'm following through and you're knowledgeable about my tool set and my skill set that I'm following through and I'm trying my best as opposed to someone else who is just slacking off, just A, B, C, D, C, C, just like being knowledgeable about every student's skill set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anaya, what do you expect? For my, te- for my teachers, I expect them to go above and beyond for their students. And if they notice like a student grade, grade is dropping or if they taught a lesson one day and they notice some students are understanding it, reach out to those students. Don't say, oh, I have office hours Come if you need help. No, reach out to those students. Say, hey, can I please schedule office hours for you? I see that you may need help. And also building, I expect my teachers to build relationships with me. It's not, um, it's not my job as a student to go and try to be best friends with my teacher. No, it's your job as a teacher to come and build relationships with me and to teach me correctly. Okay. Uh, Lex, what do you expect? I think for me, a a really big thing for me is um, not to label us or not to put stereotypes on us or just put us down because I feel like teachers will say oh there's that black student and oh they're really loud so I'm gonna put them in the back of the class I'm gonna separate them from everyone else or that student is really dismissive or they have their head down and they have their hood on all the time and you know maybe oh maybe we have our head down and our hood on all the time because we didn't get any sleep last night because we were doing something or helping our mom or our dad like I think they don't look past their actions and it's like what else are we doing or what is causing that and I know Technically, that's not a teacher's job, but look past our actions because actions are always a result of something else. And I don't think that they understand that or they'll just see us acting one way and then they'll label us and they'll say that person is dismissive. They get kicked out of class. And, you know, then we start getting kicked out of class more and then we're not in classes and then we're losing subjects and then we're getting behind and then we don't want to succeed. You know, so I feel like they need to not label us, not... um, try and say oh they're dismissive they're ruining the class so i'm going to separate them i'm going to put them at the the back they need to disassociate from our stereotypes because there's always something behind that that most people don't see the bigger picture but teachers need to start seeing it because right now they're failing our students because of things like that Mm, okay and so what i would say what i expect from your teachers is i expect them to treat you like they're other children in their classrooms. I expect them to respond to you in a respectful tone. I expect them to, when you say you need help, to give you the help without that snarky attitude. What we expect when we go in and we advocate for you, for you guys is that they are going to treat you fairly and that if they're not treating you fairly, they can be uh, they can expect to not be treated fairly. You know what I mean? If they're coming at you a certain way, there's this expectation of kids that you have to be respectful at all times. But kids, if I know y'all very well, you guys respond to the energy that you're given and you respond in, you know, in a certain way. So it's incumbent upon the adult who should have those communication skills to be able to approach you, even if there's something that you did or you said that they don't like, in a way that kind of and I'm going to use this word because I don't see it happening very much, kind of de-escalate the situation so that there can be an open communication about it. Because a lot of times the problem is we're not hearing each other because we're listening to respond and not listening to understand. And so there has to be a way in which you know we change the way in which everybody is communicating with everybody, but the onus is on the adults. And we expect them as, as teachers with experience to be able to manage their classroom and to manage their temper regardless because that's what comes along with the job i think a lot of times you guys give them um you give them uh, a lot of leeway to say well it's not the teacher's job well it kind of is their job is not just to teach you read and write it in arithmetic they are supposed to help you develop into citizens help you develop into your adult years and that you help you lay the foundation yes your parents have an you know an obligation to do what they do from home but you spend a lot of time with these people on your campuses so they do have some responsibility in the way that you process the information that they're telling you in the way that you apply the information that they're telling you 
And so we, we're not giving anybody any shortcuts, anybody any excuses, because if we can, as, as an independent nonprofit, learn how to communicate with young people and take all these training classes and learn how to implement those, then they can do that too. And so we expect that from them. So with that, ladies, we're coming down, we're winding down to the end of, of, of our time together today. But is there anything else that, that we should know? What, what do you expect from your parents? Can we talk about that real quick? What do you expect from your parents in, in this time? In this time, I feel like an expectation that isn't talked about a lot is time because a lot of kids, we, for me personally, I don't go without anything like when it comes to materialistic items, but I feel like time is something that isn't weighed a lot when it comes to parenting because parenting isn't just making sure your kid don't need for nothing because at the end of the day, a lot of us need and we yearn for time and attention because sometimes it's underlooked. Like, you know, we get everything, we do school, you know, we were getting put through things, you know, sports, everything is paid for and stuff like that. But the time, Time is something that can never be forgotten. Memories are something that can never be lost. Everything else, it can fade. Okay. Mariah, what do you expect from your parents? Ideally, you know, we expect parents to be supportive, but in a school type setting, you know, when that say you're acting out and that teacher has already made that phone call to your mom, your mom is automatically going to believe what that teacher has said even before hearing your story. So I feel like a lot more parents can be a little bit more supportive of our student actions, our child actions, and like our responses to things. Just knowing that we're not gonna act out, just trusting that you've like given us some type of common sense to like go out here and be representative appropriately. Melissa. Um, I think parents overall should definitely, like Mariah said, believe your student. And because you, you know your child, so you know if what that teacher is saying is if that makes sense, you know, you know what's going to provoke your child to do whatever happened. So I think you definitely need to believe your kids and talk to them. Make sure that you have an open relationship so you can actually talk about, you know, what's happening. Oh, if like what did this teacher say to make you respond like that? You know, so definitely being supportive and um, believing your kids. Anaya, real quick, what what do you, what do you want your parents? What do you expect from them? Just also like everybody said, to be supportive of me and to build a relationship with me and to know who I actually am and to know me better. Lex, um, I agree with what everyone said. Um, I ask for the benefit of the doubt with my parents. You know, I come home and you see something. You know, ask me. Um, don't um. What's it called? What's the word? Assume. Um, assume. Yes, don't assume uh, things. And then also, you know, just be an ear. Just be there for me. If I need to vent about this horrible teacher, how horrible this class is, why my grades are low or anything like that, you know, just be there for me and let me um, just vent to you. Okay. And so what I, what, I, what I hear, go ahead, Denise, real quick. And I was going to say, giving us room to fall. Like, we're not going to always be what they have expected of us. Like, give us room to mess up. Give us room to, you know, cry and take hold of all that's going on. Because we'll pick it back up. But sometimes we need that room to break down. Got you. So what I would say, <laughs> hey, mama, uh, what, what I hear you guys saying is that you want somebody to have your back with no questions asked, right? And then you want somebody to be able to allow you to make mistakes and not hold them against you for future development. Is that what I heard? Yes. Yes. Okay, perfect. So I think that that's, that's good. And, and I think that everybody should allow you to make mistakes. You guys are in school to learn. You are learning. You don't have the skills. And I know I keep saying that you guys are not where I am as a 40 plus year old woman, right? Y'all have some learning and some mistakes to make, and we have to definitely allow you the space to do that. So with that, um, thank you all for joining us today for Black versus the Board of Education. Uh, like us on and follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. Um, if you have anything you want to say to these beautiful, talented young ladies and you want to just encourage them, please do that um, at the podcast, or is it podcast at BYLP.org. Uh, um, additionally, you can follow us on um, Instagram, 
because that's where we are. Yes, yes, yes. And each of these individual young ladies are also on Instagram. Just a few, uh, a couple of announcements. Melissa will be visiting North, Northern California. And so Melissa will be here on Friday and we look forward to seeing her and spending some time with her. Um, additionally, uh, BYLP has a celebration weekend coming up where we're hosting a, a Black prom event as well as a Black grad event in the same weekend, June 18th and 19th. Tickets are on sale now and we promise you it will be an experience like a you've probably never had because we're taking our time and planning it. So make sure you get your tickets to that. Those are available now on Eventbrite. Um, am I missing anything, ladies? Am I missing anything? No? All right. So with that, we're going to hit them with that wave and tell them we'll see them next Monday, same time, same bat channel live from Wakanda Elk Grove. Peace out. Hit them with I that wave, ladies. That virtual wave. That virtual wave. <laughs> <laughs>